makes us a wonderful presence that we feel here. I feel the Lord, through the praise and worship, has a word for us. Amen. And you can return to your seat. You can remain standing so that we're not sitting and then standing back up. We're going to quickly turn to the scripture, and I am mindful of the time. But we were given an assignment today. We were given an assignment, amen, as the people of God to present the gospel, to present the word of God to those who need it. And you know what? It's not just for those who haven't heard it ever, but it's for everybody. The, the, the word of God profits everybody. And I pray that today, amen, as we fulfill God's assignment, that we would fulfill our assignment to him and say, Lord, I'm going to let you speak to me and do a work in my life. And we're so very honored to be here, as we've mentioned before. And we stand in place of our awesome pastor. And we know that God gives us pastors according to his own heart. And we have a wonderful pastor and a pastor's wife. And we're so thankful for him. Amen. And I stand in his place today humbled and honored. And I'm not worthy to do that. But we serve together and we ask that you would keep Pastor Brown in prayer. He is ministering. Amen. And he is uh, doing the Lord's work, and we're very thankful for that. So please keep him in prayer and let him know that we have missed him. And uh, it's not the same when pastor's not here, but he does charge us. Pastor tells us, you better have church. Amen. And I know that we are having church today, and we're very thankful for that. We, we will see you um, immediately after service, of course, in the conference room. We want to get to know you for the pastor's reception and the pastoral staff. Then also on Tuesday night at 730 in the program center, which is the building right behind us. We're going to have Bible study, so we'll see you there. But if I can turn your attention to the gospel in the book of John, chapter 1. And we give honor to Brother Peter Bingley and his uh, team that has been with us, and Sister Shauna Jimenez and Brother Jeff Ledet, who are joining together with them. Why don't we give them a hand? They are helping us, and, and they're doing a great job, amen. And we're very thankful for them. And we're going to quickly go into the word of God, and I feel, um, not to be melodramatic, but through this fast, God has been more clear to me than ever, and um, I feel that we do have a word for, for Life Church today. If you can join me in John chapter 1, and it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things that were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the midst of all that, and him was life. And the, life of, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Darkness can't comprehend light. Cannot do that. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, capital L, the light, that all men through him might believe. Everyone say believe. Amen. We have a word for you today, and it's simply this. I must believe. I must believe. Turn to your neighbor and, and tell them, I must believe. I must believe. Amen. Can you put your Bibles down and then can you help me pray that God would, would anoint my lips to deliver this word and anoint your ears to hear because we want God to do something today. Amen. Whether you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, whether you want to be water baptized, we want God to do something today. Amen. Do you believe it? Amen, I told them, get the tank ready, because we don't know what's going to happen. Amen, I have faith that God can do it. I have faith that God can change a life today. Amen. 
And I know you have that faith as well. Join me in prayer. Jesus, we thank you so much, God, for standing before a great people, Lord, your people. And I pray that you would use me. God, anoint my lips. Give me clarity of thought. Speak through me, Jesus. And we know that you are the one who creates all things, Jesus. And I pray that you would anoint their ears to hear, God, and that today would be an awesome day in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says amen. And you may be seated. And when God speaks to you, he makes you... He makes you write paper notes. He makes you uh, do things that you've never done before. And today, I felt that there has been moments and times, especially now that we've started the year, that unbelief creeps in, yes, even two weeks into the year. Because we all have New Year's resolutions, we have things that we want to do and accomplish. But isn't it so that the very first week, it's all good in the New Year? We get through the new year the first week. We get through that first week. We get through that first day. But then you hit reality where all, all the excitement is gone. And then you begin to experience what many call unbelief. You see, unbelief is something that really triggers something in our lives that takes us a step backwards. It takes you to a place where you no longer are a person that is pleasant nor anyone that wants to be around. There's an author that says this. He says, a cynic or an unbeliever is a man who, when he smells flowers, he looks around for a coffin. An unknown author wrote this. He said, a cynic is one who only reads bitter lessons from the past, but who is prematurely disappointed with the future. Some say that cynics are toxic forms of pessimists. They're, they're pessimists. They always look at the glass half empty. Someone who is negative and faithless and that attitude can harm their family and it can harm their friendship. I mean, don't you have those types of friends that when you shared with them your New Year's resolution, they said, yeah, give it a month. Yeah, yeah, just give it a week. We'll, we'll see. I mean, you may have been that person that said that or, or maybe you received that word. It's like, yeah, right. That's, that's not going to happen. Yeah, you're, you're going to do the Daniel fast. You'll head to Sprouts immediately after church. Fill up your cart with veggies. But come Wednesday, you'll be chomping on something you ought not to be eating. And you have people that look at it like that. And, and when we, we made the shift and the change from, from 380 South Rosemead to, to 843 Olive Avenue, some said it's not going to happen. We talked to other, other people and other friends pastor friends and other, other ministers, and we said, man, we're, we're moving, we're shifting. Oh, you're going to lose half of your church. Well, thank you for the vote of confidence. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for believing in me. And it's so easy to have that type of doubt in our lives because growing up, we've all been let down. I was promised if I got all my grades the right way and I cleaned my room and, and, and I did what I was supposed to do, I was promised many things. Sometimes it didn't happen. And now I am guilty of promising things to my son. And he reminds me and bugs me, bothers me until it makes, until it happens. And he's constantly reminding me that I've got to keep my promises because at an early age, if I let him to believe that distrusting or doubting is ever in the picture, he's going to grow up always doubting that. So as a father, I've got to do my best to not allow doubt to creep in because the world is going to create that. 
and the world is going to put doubt and fear into, into my son's lives. But as his dad, I'm going to do my best to instill trust in him. I've got to show him that we trust the Lord. I'm going to show him and trust and, and show him that we trust God with our energy, our talents, our time, our resources. We trust God. And when you ask something of me, son, and I give it to you, I trust, I trust that you're going to believe it. You're not going to doubt it. You're not going to say, that's just dad saying that to shut me up. But he is going to be a man of his word. And same for my wife, amen. And I pause to tell you, my wife is with my two sons who have a fever today and pray for them. They are sick. And so we ask that you would keep them in prayer. And that's where they are at today. In the Old Testament, they used to set up these things, what they would call stones, and they would set up rocks. And I shared this on Tuesday night with our young people, but the Lord stirred something further after that meeting. And it was this, that they would, the, the people of God would set up rocks and memorials, and they would set up stones around their homes so that if a stranger came by or a visitor came by, they would say, hey, what does that stone represent? What does that represent in your life? And they would say, I'm glad you asked. It's like walking into my house and seeing the Bible on my coffee table and someone saying, what is that book? I'm glad you asked. Let me remind you and let me tell you a story of what God did for me. Because back then, they didn't have PA systems. They did not have churches as we know of today. How they relayed the word of God. They didn't have it on their iPhone and iPad. They didn't have an electronic version of the word of God. They didn't even have it printed like we have it printed. They used their voice and they used their recollection and they used their stories to share the word of God. And so when a visitor and a friend would come to their house, they would say, why do you have this stone right here? I'm glad you asked. It's when God delivered me out of the enemy's hand and he saved me and he did something for me. And as a, as a visitor in that man's house, I cannot refute that man's words because he's a witness of what happened. Amen. And if he said it happened, you better believe it happened. You go to the court of law. You could have been a person who was told of what happened in the situation. And the attorneys and the judges won't hear your case. They won't want to hear you. Because if, you, if they say, you saw that crime take place, well, no, someone told me. I actually found out about it through a friend. And, and who told them? Well, another friend told them. I don't stand in the court of law. They want a firsthand witness of who is there to make proof of whatever needs to be judged on that particular case. And so you better believe that a secondhand witness doesn't have the same thing as a firsthand witness. I'm glad you asked why this stone is here and why that is there. Because this is where God delivered me and saved my family. And this is where he paid my rent and gave me a house. And this is where he healed my son and my daughter. This is what he did. Oh, he did that for you? Yes, he did that for me. And he can do the same thing for you. That's how trust and that's how belief was transferred in those days. Amen. But I'm afraid in the age that we live in today... We don't transfer that same belief that our forefathers transferred. We don't have that same belief that our fathers and mothers and pioneers and grandfathers and aunts and uncles who lived it. They, we don't have that same belief. Amen. I don't have the same belief of the very first man who saw the building on 
380 South Rosemead. I don't have the belief that they had to see a building be built with no resources, but having someone else help them and build that church and for over 60 years was a light in that world. I haven't lived that man's life. I haven't sat in that man's chair. I haven't knelt in that man's altar. I don't believe like I like he believes and like I need to believe. We come here so easy and in the information age we're sharing information. It's all first, it's all what we hear and sometimes what you hear about on, on, on and I hate to belabor the point of Facebook and Twitter and social media, but what you hear on that, it's like you see that and they say, did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? And they take that as word for it when nothing, no, you can't, they haven't gone to the person. This past week, there was all these rumors flying around about, about a specific individual and a situation that took place. And all of them were all talking. It's like, and then the person was like, hello, I'm right here. You can ask me. Don't assume. Don't believe that, that doubt. Don't believe that secondhand knowledge. That's how they transfer those things. And the word of God is so amazing. And I'm trying to paint this picture and lay this foundation. The word of God is amazing because in the beginning of the word of God, and, and it talks about the beginning of time and how they believe, it goes and takes us forward to today. And even when the Lord is returning for his church, because that same belief has to be in every individual, amen, that believes on him, that trusts him, who says, amen, as they walked in, let everything that have breath, praise ye the Lord. You know what that lets me know? I'm going to praise him yes with my voice and my heart and my adoration but I'm going to believe him I don't care where I've come from I don't care what last name I have I don't care what social economic status I am in but I'm going to trust you God I'm going to believe you Jesus and I want the faith of my fathers I want the faith of the pioneers amen that have spread the gospel that didn't have PA systems they didn't have the resources but what they had amen is something that I lack that is a belief in him that God, that God is still in control and he reigns in our lives, amen, and he reigns supreme. And if he promised it in 2011 or he promised it in 2012 or he promised it in 2008, that promise is still going to come to pass because I trust and know and believe that his word is forever faithful, amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I love you, God, amen. Amen. And it's so neat to see a, that, that the stones represented a point of reference. The rock represented the point of reference. So the Bible says he's our chief cornerstone. He is the rock, amen, of my foundation. He's a, he's a solid rock. He's, he's all of that. He's solid. He's, he's built on a rock. It's his word, his spirit. And what I was shared with our young people is this, is that you can build a house that has all of your favorite things inside of it. You can build a house with all of the bells and whistles. But if the foundation that that house is built on, hello, has a crack, the foundation is not solid. If that foundation that that house is built on is not solid, if it has some defects on it, I don't care how pretty the paint is and how much it costs per gallon. I don't care how great your oven is and how good and well it can cook. 
I don't care how comfortable your bed is and how much rest it gives you at night. If your foundation has a defect, that house is going to come crashing down. And that's why we've got to make up our mind that we have had a solid foundation. We have better have a solid foundation. And that foundation starts in the belief that God is God and no one else can come against him. Nothing else can pull him down. No situation can detour God's purpose in your life. On that foundation, I'm going to build my life. On that foundation, I'm going to live my life. And God, I may not have the prettiest house. God, I may not have all the bells and whistles, but my foundation is intact. My foundation is built on your word and driven by your spirit. My foundation, amen, shall not be moved. Come the storms of life. Come the tests and trials of life. Come the situations of my family. My foundation shall not be moved. And it's time that we make up our minds and say it's time to build our lives on the foundation of God. It's time we say, Lord, I'm going to build my life on you, not on the other things, not on the circumstance, not on the things that cause me doubt, but I'm going to build my life on you. Amen. And it's time that we realize that God didn't call you to live in a house that is unstable. God didn't call you to live in a place of instability, but God has called you to a place of assurity that he is, amen, the rock. He is the foundation. He is, amen, the last word. He is the final say. He has the final authority and nothing, 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 nothing. Say nothing. Come on, say nothing. Nothing, nothing can stop, amen, can stop God's purpose in my life. Nothing can stop the love of God from moving in me. Nothing can stop, amen, if God be for you. Nothing, 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 nothing. If God be for you, nothing, nothing, nothing. If God be for you, no sickness, no infirmity, no disease, nothing, nothing, nothing. If God be for you, no pink slip, no, no running car, nothing, nothing can be against me, amen. Nothing, hallelujah. Nothing, 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 amen. You trust God, you believe in God, and you say that all things, all things, all things, good and bad, ugly, distasteful, all things, all things, that season in my life, hallelujah, all things, when I robed myself in sackcloth like Job, all things, when my family was destroyed, all things, amen, when the calamity was stronger than ever, all things, when I didn't have enough money to even pay my tithe, all things, oh, but when he gave me that miracle that I've been praying for, all things, Oh, when he gave me that thing that I've been fasting for, all things, all things work together, hallelujah, for the good, for them who are called out, amen, to his excellent purpose, for them that believe on him, the ones who say, God, thank you for that situation, I'm going through it, thank you for that mishap, I'm going to move through it, thank you, God, for the storm, thank you, Lord, for that, thank you for the valley, and thank you for the mountaintop, yay, naked I came into this world and naked shall I leave. 
I'm not going to hold on, amen, to the things that cause doubt in my life. Hallelujah. I must believe. I must believe. Peter was one of the 12 disciples. He was one of the inner circle, part of the inner team of Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus in ways that no one else saw him. He saw that when he would probably dip his fries in ketchup, that Jesus probably didn't like it. He probably saw him that Jesus probably liked to wear a certain type of robe or maybe uh, go and read and do a certain type of thing. He saw Jesus in the, in the secret thing, uh, times and he saw him in intimate moments. He was there. He was there. He knew what pushed his buttons. I don't know what pushes your buttons, but someone close to you does. Right? And so Peter walked with the 12 disciples. He walked with them. And Peter was like a, well, I'll just say like me. Kind of a loud mouth. And would often just say things. Right, young people, we talked about just blurting things out. And we would just say things. And Peter was just like that. And, and, and so they were having an object lesson. And Jesus said, come on, guys, let's, let's go take a walk. And they're walking with Jesus. And you would think the closest to them, to him, would know everything and have just a bunch of knowledge. They were the closest to him. The Bible says in Matthew that as they walked together, amen, and it was actually in the book of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says, he's, he's kind of like asking this question to them. He says, all right, fellas, what do they call me outside? in the cities, and the towns. What do they call me in the temple? They said, man, if you only knew. But tell me. They said, they call you rabbi. They call you prophet. They call you Elijah. They call you all that and a bag of chips. You're awesome. They love you. Man, you're all that. You're, they love you, the prophet. Some call you this and that teacher. He said, that's good. Because it really doesn't matter what they think of me. You see, I love my wife so much that I'll let her dress me up and I'll, I'll care what she thinks. If, if you don't like my outfit, I don't care. I care what she thinks. I care what she wants. I care what, what she cares about. And Jesus said, I already know I'm all that. I'm a great teacher. I'm a great rabbi, but I'm not a prophet. Let them say that. They don't know me. They don't know any better. Oh, bless their heart. And then he says, who do you say that I am? He asked the loaded question, Brother Ross. Who do you say that I am? Huh. Well, I'm sure some of them said, oh, you're a prophet. You're, you're the rabbi. I'm sure they, they were like, oh, I know the answer. They already said it. And then Peter, I believe, was used for the purpose of showing an illustration. And he blurted something out that was unordinary and unorthodox in that circle. And he says this. He said, who do men say that I am? And, and, and then they tell him. And he says this in, the, in verse 15. He says, but whom do you say that I am? Say ye that I am. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of 
of the living God and Jesus rose up within himself. He got excited because someone received the revelation and he said unto him, blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my father which is in heaven, amen. And I say also unto thee, amen, thou art Peter. And this is where it goes good. And he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. He wasn't talking about Peter being that. It was upon the revelation that Jesus Christ is, amen. The living God, he's the revelation, amen. He's our savior, he's our redeemer. He's not just a prophet, he's not just a good teacher, he's not just the rabbi, but he is the son of the living God. He is my savior. He is my redeemer. And what those other 11 could not decipher, one was able to decipher. And he was able to realize, amen, that I've been with Jesus in his intimate moments. I've been with Jesus in secret places. I've been with Jesus where others haven't been. And I've received a personal revelation that he is my savior. You see, we can be close to Jesus like the 11 and not know who he is. You can be part of Life Church. You can be part of a team. You can be part of everything we're doing. You can be as close to it as possible. But if you don't have a revelation of who Jesus is, I'm telling you, you've got to change your way of thinking. And I'm afraid that what is stopping us from receiving the revelation of who he is is disbelief on who he is. And it's time for us to realize that we must believe. Because when you believe, God will give you revelation. God will give you an insight. God will show you through his word. He will show you through prayer what he wants out of your life. And you can be like the person who's against the grain and say, yeah, I don't just want to tiptoe around my relationship with God, but I want to be with him and know him and receive the revelation of who he is. And upon this rock, upon this rock, upon this rock, upon this revelation, upon this revelation, upon this word, upon this thing, upon this time with him, I will build, I will build in my life and be part of the church he wants me to be. We fast forward, and I'm trying to hurry. Is We fast forward in the very next chapter, Jesus takes three men with him, and one of them is Peter. And how is it neat that the one who received the revelation got to go a step further with Jesus? Only three went. Now, I can't account for the other two that went, but I do know this. Peter received a revelation of who Jesus was. And while those three were hanging with Jesus, the other, what's, uh, the other eight were just hanging around doing nothing. I'm a disciple. Guess what? You didn't receive a revelation. You didn't believe like you needed to believe. So here goes Peter on a trip with Jesus to the mountaintop. Jesus took him to a new place that he'd never been before. He 
saw things that those other eight could not see. He was invited to something closer and deeper with God. You're saying, oh, I'm bored in my relationship with God. It's because you have made it boring. You have caused disbelief to creep in and tell you to determine your relationship with God. This world doesn't determine my relationship with God. My friends do not determine my relationship with God. My wife doesn't determine my relationship with God. I determine my relationship with God. And it happens through belief in him that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Not just who seek him, but the Bible says diligently. And what does that mean, teacher Jackie? That means to pursue no matter what, no matter how I feel. That means to say, God, through these circumstances and through these things, I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to diligently seek you and I'm going to believe what you said last week is going to happen. God, what you gave me a promise for is going to come to pass because I believe in you, God. I believe in you. I believe in my Jesus and I'm afraid that disbelief and unbelief has crept into the church today. We trust in our own chariots. We trust in our own abilities. We trust in our own resources. But some trust in chariots. Some trust in their resources. Some trust in their own abilities. But I shall trust. But I shall trust in the name of the Lord. And that name is Jesus. Jesus, 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 amen. So Peter saw it all, but Peter had character flaws in his life. Still had problems, still had situations. In fact, he denied Christ three times. He said a loud mouth, he said things he sure wouldn't have said. And the Bible even says that he cursed after all of this. He had flaws. We have flaws. I have flaws. Look at your neighbor and say, you have flaws. We have to admit that. But I still believe in him. I still believe in him. I still believe in him. And so the story of Jesus plays out and it happens and it rolls out. He does these miracles. He does these things, but immediately following that, that mountaintop experience, a man comes to Jesus. He wasn't a churchgoer. He was just a man who heard that Jesus was coming. And he brings his son to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, my son is a lunatic. How many of you have been, who are sons, you've been called a lunatic by your parents? Well, he was a lunatic. He was not in his right mind. They brought him, the dad brought him to Jesus. And he said, sure, I'll pray for you, but why are you coming to me? He said, I took him to the disciples, but nothing happened. Jesus, I believe there, got a little upset. He tells them that because of their unbelief, the disciples, the closest to them, to him, because of their unbelief, this man could not meet his need. Because of their unbelief, this man who was searching for God to heal them could not have his need met. 
Jesus says, I gave you the authority. I gave you the power. I gave you all of the words in the Bible. I gave you everything. I gave you myself so that when someone comes to you for a need, you can cast out that infirmity in my name and they shall be made whole. But because of your unbelief, this man had to come to me and God convicted me. And how many times has someone come to my life, to my house, to bring my phone and called me and said, I have a need, but my unbelief stopped what God wanted to do in that person's life. And what that led me know is that even the people of God, even those that have been baptized and have the Holy Ghost and read their daily bread and do other things still need to believe because there's a lost and dying world that needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. How will they hear except a man and a woman and a family believe in God? Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I can tiptoe around it. I can be part of the deacon board, the altar team, every team. But if I'm not close to you and have belief creeps into my heart, I can cause someone to not meet their need and have their needs met by you. So convicted that even the closest to God still lose their belief. Even the closest to him still move around and be torn and shifted and moved by life. But we sing about it. We talk about it. We share about it. But do we live it? A popular song that is being sung called Show Me Your Glory. It's a beautiful song. It talks about that experience where they went to the mountaintop. I saw the Lord show me your glory, and I saw the light shine. Jesus' face transfigured, talks about that story. But that didn't happen first for Peter. What happened first is that he had to believe. And then Jesus showed him his glory. We're waiting for God to show us his glory, and then I'll step in faith. God, show me a little bit. Just give me a taste. And then I'll step in 100%. God, your Bible says, oh, taste and see. Oh, wait a minute. It does say that. It doesn't say see and taste. It says taste and see. That is good. Taste and then see. You put a platter of food that I've never, that I, I haven't seen in front of me. It would be difficult for me to taste it first. I want to see what's going and in the spiritual, God has it, it's all backwards. Here in the physical, it's, it's a certain way, but in the spiritual, it's, it's the opposite. It's different. I must first believe. I must first taste of him and then see that the Lord is good. See what he has in store for me. And some of us are waiting for that moment. Can we agree that we're waiting for that moment first? I'll give you 100%, God, when you show me this first. That's not how it works. I must believe. I must believe. Lastly, there's another disciple, Thomas. The Bible doesn't call him Doubting Thomas. In fact, it doesn't mention that at all. People have called him Doubting Thomas. 
Thomas was one of those 12, hung out with Jesus. He, he ate with him, broke bread with him, and, 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 and talked, spoke to him, and shared things with him, and did all that. But this is really neat. What happens here is that Jesus goes through his time of going to Calvary, dying for all of our sins, and resurrecting, which we all believe that, right? Well, the Bible says that Thomas wasn't even there when all that happened. Thomas was out doing his own thing. A disciple was not there to witness the resurrection of Christ. He wasn't there. And isn't it so mind-boggling, whenever you miss an opportunity to be in the presence of God, it causes doubt to creep into your mind. When the church doors are open and you decide to take a detour, or on a Tuesday morning when you decide to take a detour from God, isn't it so amazing that when you take a detour from God, that you make a headway to doubt. And then thoughts begin to creep into your life, into your head. And then Thomas realized and he heard the news that Christ had risen. He goes back to Peter and the rest that were there. And he says, what happened? Uh, what happened? They, they said, oh, Christ rose up again. He rose up and, no, man, that, ain't, that didn't happen. No way. That's not possible. No, man, I saw it. I was there. I saw him die. I saw him rise up. I saw him resurrected. No, that didn't happen. So show me. Show me. Show me. You're one of the disciples, Thomas. Don't you know his teachings are real? Don't you know when he speaks life, it happens? Haven't you seen him raise the dead? Were you not there when Jairus' daughter was raised up? Weren't you there when that woman who had a 12-year issue of blood pressed through a crowd and touched the very hem of his garment and she was made whole? Weren't you there at the marriage reunion and they needed some wine and Jesus said, let's fill up the water pots and he turned the water into wine? Weren't you there? When Lazarus was in the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he wrapped himself off of the grave clothes and was raised again. Weren't you there? I was there. But I don't believe that Christ was resurrected. I'm telling you, some of us can be so close to God, but yet so far on the revelation of who he is. We can be so close to him, but yet so far that he does speak resurrection in our life. That he does speak healing in our life. And we first must need to see it in order to believe it. You live your life that way, you'll never have miracles, signs, and wonders. Because my word, your word, says signs follow them that believe. It doesn't say the other way. It doesn't say signs come, miracles come, and then belief comes. Signs follow them that believe. And we walk into a Pentecostal church. We walk into an apostolic church. And we hear the stories, Brother Steele, of women, men, boys and girls that were in a wheelchair. We hear the stories of those who were blind. We hear the stories of the deaf and were mute. They could not speak. We hear the stories of the drug addicts and, and those that were so broken. And we hear the stories that you hear that that lady was 
rose up from her wheelchair? Did you hear that those eyes can now see? Did you hear that those deaf ears were open? Did you hear that God made a way where there was no other way? Yeah, I've heard about it, but I've never witnessed it. It's not because God doesn't want to give you a miracle. It's because we have yet to show him that we believe in him. And I'm telling you, some of you have been praying for your miracle for far too long. And the key for it to come to pass is to believe on him. Him, believe on the Christ and let him give you a revelation of who he is. You've been praying and praying and praying, but you can pray with disbelief. You can fast with disbelief. You can read the word with disbelief, but it's time that we put belief as our foundation and then we pray and then we fast and then we read the word and say, God, let your signs follow me as I believe, God. God, let your signs follow me. And so Christ came into that room. And Thomas, who said, show me the scars. Show me where the, the, the uh, spear had thrust him in his side. Show me the nail-scarred hand. And Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. And what's so neat about Jesus is that we, in our midst of doubting, in our midst of being so close to him but yet doubting, in our midst of running away from him and doubting, he is so graceful and gracious to step into your situation. You've been waiting and you've been asking, I'll show you. I'll show you my nail-scarred hands. I'll show you my sides have been pierced with your iniquities. I'll show you where the, the nail struck through for your sins. I'll show you. And Thomas had an awakening at that moment. And I'm sure he felt embarrassed. And I'm sure he felt like he had dishonored God. But he said, my Lord and my God, I believe. Lord, I believe. And in this darkest moment of disbelief, God rose up and stepped into his situation and said, Doubting Thomas, just touch me and you'll believe. And I feel in the Holy Ghost that some of us uh, have talked about him, have sung about him, have read about him, have prayed to him, but some of us need to touch him. Some of us need to touch uh, the master's hand. Someone needs to touch uh, the hem of his garment. Someone needs to say, Lord, I believe, my Lord and my God, I believe, I, I believe in you, God. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe I want to touch you, Jesus. I want to touch you, Lord. Amen. You can tell your family. I can tell my son that I love him all I want. I can tell him I care for you, Avery. I love you, Aiden. I care for you. I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you that. I love you so much. And he runs for a hug and I say, just wait a minute. No. He's got to know by my touch with him that I love him. And I embrace him. And when he touches his father, 
he feels something that he hasn't felt ever before. When I embrace my spouse, there's something that I've never felt before. And when I embrace my Lord, I feel different. I feel that his word that was spoken to me has come alive because I'm mixing the two together. I'm mixing my belief with his word. And God is awakening things that have been dead. Things that have been in the tomb for far too long. And you've even set up a grave there. You even put flowers there and recognize it. You even go visit there from time to time. But God said that wasn't intended to be in that grave. It's time to rise up and it's time to believe that God is able to do a work. That God is able to speak some things into your life that you've never had spoken to you before. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21. You see, this is not a topical and within your context type of message. Because belief is our foundation. Revelation, who he is, our belief in him, it's etched on the pages of the scripture from the beginning. And we see here that John is having a revelation of what's being told and what's being shared. And it says this. It says, this is God speaking to John. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But then the next verse quickens something in me. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What's amazing to me is that those two firsts that he lists, fearful and unbelievers and unbelieving, is ahead of all the things we think is really sin. The whoremongers, the murderers, the liars. I'm sure the murderers, man, they're, they're, as, they're worse off than I am. I'm sure all the liars are worse off than I am because I go to church. In the physical, it's one way, but in the spirit, it's another way. And God says, no, who I list first are the fearful and unbelieving. What that lets me know is that you can go to church. You can be part of whatever all that we're doing. But if you are fearful and unbelieving, 
You've got another thing coming when Jesus returns for his church. It's time that we make up our mind and not look at the sins that we think are sin and say, well, I'm not doing that, so I'm okay. But it's time that we realize that believing is not just an anthem and it's not just something we say to get a response out of you. But believing determines your eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is my goal, it is pastor's vision that everyone, everyone that calls this their church home makes heaven their home. No why? I didn't murder, or I didn't lie, I didn't cheat. That's not what we're talking about. You need to be one that's going to say, I will no longer be fearful. I will no longer be one that lives in disbelief. But it's time to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, God, I believe. I believe in you. And some of you have got to separate yourself from fear. Some of you have got to separate yourself from unbelief and you just say it's time that I step out of the fear and walk into the presence of God and let him illuminate my darkness and let him take away my darkness. Let him take away my disbelief and fill me and fill me. It says they that are of thirst I shall fill and it's time for you to rise up and say God fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your word. Fill me with a faith in you that is uncomprehensible, that can't be purchased through money, that I can't be given through this world. But God, fill me, fill me, fill me with belief. Hallelujah. Some of you, some of us, myself included, have had a very different year. I've seen things of uncertainty come into my life. And I'm not being dramatic all have had things come into our life, but what has not shaken me, it's not because I'm a preacher, it's not because I go to a great church, what allows me to rest at night is to say, God, you created me, and your word says to say this, give us this day our daily bread. Don't give me yesterday's, but today you're going to give me your daily bread. And whatever that is to you, whether it be natural food or spiritual food or healing or a miracle, God can give it to you today, but you need to trust him. You need to trust him. And if we are going to move forward, and I feel this is why we've come to this point, if you can stand with me. If we are going to move forward, you move forward with disbelief, if you move forward with not trusting in him, you will wear out. You will backslide. You will go to a place of doubting, like Thomas, of betraying, like Judas. And as Judas, who didn't believe on him, also one of the 12, isn't it amazing that we learn our greatest lessons from those who were closest to him? When J Judas betrayed Jesus, he betrayed him with a kiss. 
And what Judas did is that he was kissing the door of heaven on his way to an eternal hell. You can kiss the door. You can be on the outskirts all you want. You can sing the songs. You can look the look. You can talk the talk. But if you're not with Jesus and trusting in him and believing in him, you've got another thing coming. And God has taken this church from glory to glory. He's taken this church to newer heights and newer planes. It's not going to happen by the oratory skills of our pastor and the connections in our city. It's not going to happen with the building that we have. But it's going to happen with you and me and you and your neighbor, the person in front of you, the person behind you, to believe first that he is your savior, to believe that he can heal your needs and meet you, and to believe that he has called you to this church for such a time as this. And to believe that because he has done that, he has purposed this church to reach the lost at any type of cost. He has called us. It's not going to happen just by accident. But God is calling families. He's calling fathers. He's calling mothers. He's calling sons and daughters and friends and people to believe. You need to believe. And I don't know exactly what has caused a disbelief in your life. But I am praying that someone here who has been praying that same prayer but has been void of disbelief would say, God, let me build my life on that revelation of who you are. Like the women and the men of old that believed on their own accounts on who you were. God, that's what I want in my life. He's not just the God of Abraham. He's not just the God of Isaac. But he told Jacob, I am your God as well. He's not your father's God. He's not your mother's God. He's not your brother's God. He's not your pastor's God. He is your God, my Lord, and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. These altars are open right now. And I'm praying that we would flood these altars. And if you really want revival to happen at Life Church, if you really want God to move like never before in your life, I pray that you would step out in faith and say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen and I don't know how it's going to look, but God, I believe right now, some of you need to believe like you've never believed before. Believe that your past doesn't determine your future. Believe that yesterday's sin doesn't propagate your future today, but believe that God, who is rich in mercy, is able to do a work that nothing can do and no one can do who would step out right now and say, God, I believe you need a revelation. You need a revelation of who God is. You need a revelation of who Jesus is. He is my everything. He is your everything. He is your rock. He is your buckler. He is your time. Amen. When there is no time. He 
is your help. He is your helpmate. He is your redeemer. He is your provider. Jesus is all of those, but you need to believe. You need to believe. You need to believe. You need to believe. Come on. Come on, church. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Almighty God. Come here, Daniel. Come here. I want you to come up, Daniel. Daniel. Come here. Come here real quick. I want to share something with you about this young man. This young man had been prayed for. Come up here. He had been prayed for all year last year. Right, Sister Deanna? For the mic. He was a mess. Right, were you a mess? The prayer of that lady. Her husband was a mess. Brother, Brother Mike, you were a mess. She decided through prayer. Let me share this with you. You want to believe you? Let me show you something first. Let me show you. I'll show you. I have a real account, real story from our church, from your church. I'm sweating pretty bad. He believes that. He knows that because he's embracing me. Anyway. Sister Deanna had been praying all year. Then Mike comes. And the Lord tells her, you need to make this right. You need to get your family in order. Brother Mike comes in the picture. Brother Mike's water baptized in the name of Jesus. On that same day, I, I believe it's the same day, they got married. I was there to witness it. I was the best man, praise God. Right? I think I was, yeah. change his life. Mike said, I'm just a guy who just found grace. And he said, we haven't given up because God needs to do something in our son, Daniel. I had heard about Daniel. I heard he had said things, done things, had just messed up like all of us. Such a, such as him. He, you guys were all of that as well. We were all there. Sometimes we're still there. They prayed. Church prayed. We moved from Pasadena to Monrovia, had church, and lo and behold, some skinny, skater-looking kid comes into church, and mama's prayer was answered. You want to believe something? You want to believe? Let me tell you. I think within two services at Life Church. Daniel was water baptized in the name of Jesus. He went down, amen, and the old man has been dead. And God has raised up a new man, a new person, a new thing in him. Story's not done. The punchline's not there yet. Like any newbie at any job, to impress the boss, excited for school on your first day, comes to church. He said, Pastor. He said, What? I'm going to win a soul. Okay. Okay. You do that, Daniel. I believe in you. Right? The next couple weeks, I don't have my timeline correct, but this is what happened. He brings his cousin, Brandon. 
who is here today. And Brandon was water baptized. I didn't know you were going to be here. Just confirmed some things. Then he said, hey, pastor, guess what? I said, what? I was at home and God told me to win a soul. So I went to the skate park. And I talked to this guy. And he's right here. What? And Edward was moved by the preached word of God. And by the spirit that he felt. And he was water baptized in the name of Jesus. When God told him he was going to win a soul, he believed it. He believed it because this is all that he has. He's tried it all. He's tried everything in this world. But when God spoke to him, he believed it. And some of us, God is trying and has been trying to speak to you, but you've written it off. You've written it off. You said, no, that wasn't God. But God is speaking some things into your life. And it's time to say, God, I believe. I believe. And thank God this young man believed. Because there are several that now know Jesus. Lift up your hands, your heart, and whatever you need God to do, believe it, believe it, believe it. Whatever he is saying in your spirit, believe it, believe it, believe it. Hallelujah. Come on. In the name of Jesus.
Don't quit too early. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. Come on. We finish too early. We stop and sell ourselves short. Hallelujah, God. I trust you, Jesus. And I believe. Oh, my God. Jesus. I believe. Hallelujah. God, I reach out to you. Jesus, you're all. Oh, God, I believe in you, Jesus. I must believe. I must believe, Jesus. You hold my every moment. And you call my raging seas. You walk with me through the fire. And heal all my disease. But I trust. trust in you and I believe you're my healer I believe you're more than enough for me I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I, nothing is impossible for you, nothing is impossible, nothing. I believe that the presence of God is in this place in a very special way today. I can see on some of your faces, even though you're just standing out in the crowd, that God is working on you and he's drawing you to this altar. And I want to challenge you today. Amen. What you need is in this altar if you just make your way to it. If you just take that step of faith and just believe that God is able to do whatever it is that you need him to do right now. You don't have to go home the same way that you came, but you can go home different and new and recharged, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You don't got to fight those tears. You don't got to fight that overwhelming emotion that causes you to want to believe in the ability of the God that Pastor Amato just preached about. 
You can just give in to him. He's going to make sure that you're all right today if you just give in to him and say, Oh, and I believe you're my healer. I believe you're more than enough for me. Oh, I believe, yeah. I believe you're my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. Yeah. You hold my world in your hands. I believe nothing is impossible for you. Yeah. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. Cause you hold my world in your So surround me, oh Lord, surround me, oh Lord, surround me, oh Lord, and let your presence Feel this place surround me, oh Lord, surround me, oh Lord, surround me, oh Lord, and let you Just to be close to you, just to be close to you, just to be close to you is my desire, just to be close to you, just to be close to you, yeah, just to be close to you. Is my desire Oh, just to be close to you I want 
to be close to you. Oh, just to be close to you is my desire. Oh, just to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you is my desire. So surround me, oh Lord. Surround me, oh Lord. your presence oh let your presence yes let your presence feel this place feel this place Feel my heart Oh, cause just to be close to you Just to be close to you Just to be close to you Is my desire Just to be close to you I wanna be close to you, oh, just to be close to you, is my desire, yeah, just to be close to you, yeah, oh, just to be close to you, just to be close to you, yeah, is my desire, just to be close to you, How Why don't you give God some praise for the presence of God that we feel in this place right now. I don't know if there's really a way to end a service like this because some of us need to take what we feel, amen, and we need to take it home to our, to our circumstances, our situations, amen, just to know that the presence of God is so near, amen, just makes everything so much better, amen. So take what you feel in here. Don't dismiss yourself from this, but take a little bit of it home with you, amen.
and, and, and apply it to your life, what you feel right now. You can feel this in your car. You can feel this on your job. You can feel this, amen, in the darkest night of, the darkest hour of night, you can feel this presence of God, amen. Amen. So you're dismissed from this service, but take the presence of God with you. Amen. We'll see you right back here. Amen. Remember all the announcements. God bless you. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Say hello to our visitors. God bless you in Jesus' name.